We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio preaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're at the beginning of a brand new series called The Four Pillars of Vertical Church. And today we're going to listen to Pillar One, the Word of God. Let's learn together about the centrality of God's Word. Sometimes before we go forward, we need to back up a little bit and ask ourselves, we need to remind ourselves why we're doing what we're doing. We need to, again, refresh on uh, what our goals are as a church. What are we going after? What is our mission? And whether you've been here for 12 years or you're, this is your first weekend, um, these next four weeks are going to be a time for you to refresh in what is the purpose for this church as God leads us into what I believe is going to be a very exciting future. Now, the four pillars of Vertical Church. We've had four pillars since I moved here from Chicago. So who would like to tell me what the four pillars are? I should say this is a trick question because we've changed them. Everybody's, no, don't look at me. I'm not even looking at you, Pastor. I'm not even making eye contact with you. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go easy this week. We're gonna have uh, fun here. But I wanna introduce you to the four pillars that we're gonna be going through. Now you're like, why did you change them? Uh, well, we've only changed two, and I'm going to be fleshing these out. We've got some great graphics for these. Really, we're not changing anything. We're going to be kind of building on the four pillars and the four W's. Now, if you've heard of the four pillars, uh, that's really what we believe. That is what we are about. That is the pillars of what our church is all about. But then sometimes we ask, well, what am I supposed to do? Pastor, you're preaching at me every week. What am I supposed to go then do? How do I know if I'm a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, later on this year, I'm going to preach on our four W's. We have four for everything. We have four W's, four pillars. The four W's, which is not what we're going to be talking about, really flesh out how do I live for Jesus Christ? And so we just moved a few of our previous pillars and reconnected them with our W's. Uh, if you've been here for a while, you know we had a pillar that was focused on sharing the good news of Jesus with boldness. That's the same as the W, witness, witnessing for Christ. Or uh, you've heard us talk about worshiping Christ, lifting high the name of Jesus Christ in worship. We just simply moved that over to the W of worshiping Christ. So again, we're the same church. We're just going to be emphasizing uh, things in a fresh way, and I hope this will be an encouragement to you. Now, as you're thinking about the four pillars, again, my hope is that you're going to think about them, but even on a higher level. The four pillars of vertical church really could be the four pillars of spiritual vitality, and if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to be a living as a dynamic follower of Jesus and having an impact, or if you're brand new to who is Jesus, this is how you grow in him. This is how you even come to know him through these four things we're going to be talking about. You could also call these four pillars the four pillars of revival and awakening. And it's my heart, my prayer, that over the coming decades, God is going to do an extraordinary thing and not only our nation, our city, our church, but also our families and beginning with our own hearts. You could also call these the four pillars of glorifying God with our lives. The ultimate objective of our church is not to build our church, to be a big church, to be a this church, to be a that church. It is to glorify God. Our existence here on earth is to glorify God, to find our ultimate joy and peace and everything we desire in him to delight ourselves in the Lord, as Psalm 37, verse 4 says. So this is our focus. Let me now turn our attention here to our first pillar, 
And that is the word of God. One of the things I love about the graphic, and we've asked some people to help us. We've been working on some of our graphics. Our website is getting a refresh. Uh, so many things that we're working on. But I love that there is that little thing outside. And if, you think, if you're thinking that this Bible has a tail, it does. Okay, that's the little thread you put. When I see that picture, I see somebody who's in God's word. That's growing in God's word. That's learning in God's word. And I hope you'll be thinking about that as we go to the text. And maybe you're thinking, well, the word of God, why so much focus on a Bible? I thought we're supposed to focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why is that book so important? And maybe that's even an honest question. Maybe you've been in a church where the focus is on doing first. Why do I need this dusty Bible? I've had a dusty Bible. I've kept it on my, why are you focusing on that? Well, that Bible might be dusty at your house, but I hope that by the time we're done with this series, it won't be. I hope that it will be a dynamic part of every day of your existence. Hebrews chapter four and verse 12 says this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, some people think of God's word as a rule book. Okay, so here's the rule book. I have to play by the, how many of us love, you know, rules? I remember being at UPS, and we had our compliance manual, which is about as exciting as cleaning a toilet. It's just not exciting, now, if you think of God's word as a compliance duty, I have to be in there because it tells me all the stuff I don't want to know about the stuff I really want to do but now can't, you will miss the point of why God's word is even given to you. It's on such a higher level. I love what one commentator named Lane says. He says, the word of God is able to reach into the deepest recesses of the human personality. The discrimination of the heart's thoughts and intentions entails a sifting process that exhibits the penetrative and unmasking potency of the word of God. You see, God's word isn't just about making your behavior change. That's important. It's not even necessarily just about changing your way of thinking. It is about going to the deepest part of who you are and changing you, the heart the word of God speaks to the heart. God wants your heart. Scripture says that out of the mouth, the heart speaks. What you do is based on what you value, and what you value is meant to be shaped by the word of God. And my question for you is, as we start, has God's word changed your life? Or maybe I could say it a different way, how much of your life has been changed or impacted by God's word? Maybe you're asking the question, well, I would love to experience more change, Pastor. I would like to. How do I do that? How does the word of God become something dynamic in my life? Well, let me give you two words. Two words that are going to drive what we're going to say this morning, and I hope you'll remember long after this sermon is over. The first one is foundation. You need to have a foundation in God's word. The second one is transformation. These go together. Let's begin looking at the word foundation. Now, foundations aren't exciting, are they? I remember uh, Rick Howard, who's sitting right here. I remember Rick, who's been helping us with our facility uh, a year ago. How glorious it is to look back at a year ago and to remember the roof on the other side that was like a leaky sieve and now no longer is. But back when it was, I remember Rick saying that the roof is as important as your foundation until it gets fixed. Now, let's think about foundations for a minute. 
nobody really wants to think about the foundation in your house until you have to because you have a problem. It's like HVAC. It's like air conditioning and heating. Nobody wants to think about that until you have to. And when you have to, that's all you're thinking about until it's fixed. Okay? Now, if you want God to change your life and do unique things, powerful things, you need to have the right foundation. If you have a Bible, turn quickly with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. The Apostle Paul is writing his, you might say, last letter. It could even be the very last communication that he will ever have with his spiritual son and mentee, Timothy. He says this in verse 14, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. He's referring to the Old Testament, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I'll pause here and say this. Timothy didn't grow up in an ideal church setting or church family setting. In fact, he didn't even grow up with a father or grandfather that believed. We don't even know if they were involved in his life. Paul will point out earlier in this book that it was his mother and his grandmother who deeply influenced his faith. Verse 15, it says, Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete equipped for every good work. Here's the first thought for us this morning. If you want to experience life change, you must build on a foundation of God's word, inspiration, sufficiency, and inerrancy. Now those might be some theological terms you've either never heard or only heard a few times, and it's like those technical terms. What is he even talking about? I want to explain them just quickly because they are so important. Your foundation is what these three words are. First, inspiration. If you notice in the text, Paul says to Timothy in verse 16, he says, all scripture is breathed out by God. These words in here are not the ideas of some smart philosophers in the ancient world. If you want that, go back and look at the Greek philosophers. These words are God's words. They were breathed out by God, impressed by the Holy Spirit on the on multiple writers who recorded God's words. These are God's words. That's what inspiration means. And one of the questions you need to resolve if you're to have a foundation is, when you're thinking about this, are these good words or are these God's words? That's a decision that every person in this room has to make. When I read these words that tell me to love my neighbor and love my enemies, when it calls me to forgive and also that I can find freedom, do I think these as good words or as God's words? That's what inspiration is all about. Let me give you a second word, sufficiency. Look back at the text with me. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now God's word is sufficient for everything you need to know about life in eternity. Now I could say that God's word is everything about everything. And somebody might pipe up and go, well, does it tell me how to change my oil? Uh, No, it doesn't. Sorry, you'll have to read that somewhere else. 
But everything that pertains to eternity about relationship with God, everything that is important and vital in this life is addressed in scripture. Now personally, there's a lot more things I would love for God to have put in a little more in scripture. How many of you are like that, okay? I would love for Genesis to be instead of 50 chapters, I would like 500 chapters. I'd love to know so much more about creation and and why God decided to create how he did. I'd like to know a lot more about Abraham's life. I'd like to know a lot more about a lot of things. But God in his grace knew that we could only carry this around, not a, a manual, you know, a mile long. He's told us everything we need to know, not everything we could know. Now when we get to heaven, I think a lot of us are gonna wanna corner the Lord and find out a little bit more about a lot of things, amen? That's not what sufficiency is about. Sufficiency is God has told me everything I need to know about everything that is vitally important. And then inerrancy. Many people will have legitimate questions. Is God's word reliable? God's word is without error in the original manuscripts. That means when God inspired people to record his ideas and to write them down, they were recorded and the facts were true. If you have some questions about, oh, well, some people tell me that there's errors in the Bible. The first question you ask them is, why don't you tell me where those errors are? Most people at that point will go, well, I, I don't know. I just, somebody told me somewhere about, well, stop listening to so many people somewhere, somewhere. If you have legitimate questions, though, and there are very smart people that have legitimate questions, and there are very smart answers. I preached on this, I think, about a year and a half ago. And I would be happy to share this sermon series about the word of God. I have a book sitting right underneath my chair about inerrancy. And if you have legitimate deep questions, this is the place to come. I believe that church is a place where we worship with our emotions, but also with our minds. And as I've said many times, I believe in a thinking faith. You don't have to check your head at the door. Honestly, it's the opposite. Bring your head to church. And there are really good answers to really good questions. If you have questions about scripture, God's word is inspired, it is sufficient, it is inerrant, it is in every way reliable. This is Pastor Luke Aarons. Maybe you've been listening to Meeting with God and wondering, how can I embrace the gift of salvation and follow Jesus Christ? Or I have some questions about Jesus and the journey of faith. We would love to answer any questions you may have or help you in taking the next step of faith. Let me encourage you to visit our church website, verticalchurch.life, or visit one of our weekend services in Columbus near Route 315 and Henderson Road. But I want us to think about this foundation for a moment. A couple weeks ago, actually it wasn't even a couple weeks ago, uh, it's been kind of a bit of a busy, rough patch for our family, but in the middle of that, God answered and provided a worship pastor. And I'll admit, the day we found that out, I was feeling very, very good. I just felt like a burden that had been kind of heavy had been released off my shoulders and we decided to go out for tacos that night to a Mexican restaurant and I was feeling so good. I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know what the the singers were saying, but whatever they were saying, I was vibing with them and I was starting to kind of, you know, have, and my family was, oh gosh, you know, get him out of here. I... I was just making it up as I was going, but I was feeling, you know, I honestly, quite honestly, stop making fun of me. Stop thinking those thoughts about me because when I go to most weddings and I watch people on a dance floor, I'm pretty convinced that most of them are making it up, which is precisely why I don't go on the, on the dance floor because I have no idea what I'm doing and I don't want to, with me? Making it up as we go. And I want to change for a second and change scenarios, not a taco restaurant on a good day, not a 
wedding where you've had a little too much punch and cake and whatever else is in those things, I want you to think about you're talking to your doctor. And he or she comes in to talk to you about the open heart surgery that you're about to have. And they say, you know, after we have done all of this research and all of these tests, and we've looked at your heart, and, and, and we know where the problem is, and we think we know where the problem is, and we, we're convinced that this will help, and we've done all this, you know, we still have some questions, but we've done all this work, we're ready to go, in two weeks we're going to do this surgery, and you ask the question, well, what's your plan? What are you going to have to do to me? And he turns to you and says, well, we're just going to make it up as we go. Making it up as you go works on a dance floor sometimes. It does not work in heart surgery. Now, the question I want to ask you is when it comes to God's word and it comes to your life, are you making it up as you're going or are you living intentionally by the God who has given you the eternal plan to live by? Now, maybe you're here and you're like, well, I don't know Jesus Christ. Well, I want to introduce you to God's word because this has everything in it that you need. That's awesome that you're here. We're a place where you can ask honest questions. We want to dialogue and help you in that. You need to know that life, if you keep living life, making it up as you're going, living with a little bit of spiritual vibe over here, and, and I get some ideas from the New York Times bestseller book on X, and my mom told me this, which has kind of helped me, and, and then I kind of asked my friends how to do this, and you're, you're making it up as you're going. Now, let me just tell you, that's not going to end well in this life, and it most certainly is not going to end up well in the next life. But let me ask us as Christians, most of you in this room are believers. Listen, we can ascribe to what God's word says about salvation, and yet when it comes to parenting, or marriage, or who I will marry, or what I will do with my life, we're still making it up like we're going along. And my heart to you as your pastor is to draw you out of that, to draw myself, even where I've done that, out of that, and to embrace God's word, which is life and hope. It is a foundation that will never fail. That's my heart. That's God's heart. So again, I would ask you the question, do you believe that these are God's words to you? Do you believe that these are God's words that are sufficient, or do you need God's word and something else? Do you believe that these are God's words that are sufficient for the biggest questions on life and eternity? Now quickly look back at the text we've been in. What is the goal of Scripture? Well, at the very foundation... If you look in verse 15, he says how from childhood, Timothy, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, here it is, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The purpose of God's word, it doesn't save you. Okay, if you hug God's word and you love God's word and you put 180 copies of God's word all over the place, there's no vibes that come from this. But it opens your mind as you read it to become enlightened towards salvation. You cannot get saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ if you don't know God, don't know Jesus, and don't know his work from God's word. It's to make you wise for salvation. Now here's the question that we all must face. Do you have a foundation in God's word? And if so, what is the state of that foundation? Do you believe that God's word is sufficient and inspired and inerrant and to you, or are you making it up as you're going? You can read Matthew chapter 7 later, but one of the things Jesus said is, he said, those of you who listen to my words 
and do them are like a person who builds a house on a rock and the wind comes and the storms come and they blow against that house but it remains firm because the foundation is on my words. But he says, those of you who hear my words, who hear all kinds of my sermons and all of my teaching, but you choose not to do it, it's like building your house not on a rock, but on sand. And the wind is coming, trust me, it's coming. And the storms are gonna come and they're gonna blow against that house. And Jesus says, those who, who build their house in the sand, not only will the house fall, but great will be its fall. And I will tell you, to the extent that you put and anchor your life on Scripture as your foundation, you will have security in the worst moments of life as well as the best. But if you only trust Jesus for salvation, but then go do things your own way, you will find, to the extent that you do that, the day will come where the wind will blow and it will blow you to pieces. Now, let's not make it up as we go, amen? I want to turn our direction from the foundation, which is so important now, to transformation. My heart for you is that not only will you have the foundation in God's word, but that you will experience the life change, the power of God's word changing you in every way. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. After Paul has said so much about salvation, he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may, by testing discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God's word is intended to transform you and me on every level. It's meant to transform our perspectives on everything. Maybe you're asking, but how, pastor? How is God's word meant to change me? How is it meant to transform my way of thinking? How does that even happen? I want to give you three words or concepts quickly. If you want to experience life transformation, here it is. The first one is authority. You can experience life transformation through God's word. The first thing that you must think through is authority. Now, for those of you who have been a part of our church for a while, you've known that our first pillar for the longest time, we explained it this way. We believe in proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. Now, think about that. We're proclaiming the authority of God's word. When I get with God's word a lot through the week, getting ready to preach, I'm not asking, does this fit what I would like to say? In fact, I have had one of those moments this week. There was a particular verse that I thought said something, and as I started to study it in the commentaries, I realized I had to do more study if I was gonna preach what the text was saying. Is God's word something in your back pocket, or is it essentially the authority over everything you do? and everything you say, and everything you think. Now, if you're wondering what Jesus thought about Scripture, what did Jesus think about the authority of Scripture? If you go to Matthew chapter 5 with me really quickly, and I know I'm asking you to turn to a couple different passages. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus says this, he says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I'm not coming to sweep that aside. I'm not coming to replace the Old Testament. He says, I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Many of the Old Testament passages were referring to Jesus and his work and the mission of the church and the future that we will have with him. Verse 18, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law that's I guess in a broader sense, the Old Testament, 
will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Clearly, Jesus Christ was committed to the authority of God's word down to the last dot of the eye. So here's the question. Who is your ultimate authority? And I'm not just asking for the big questions of eternity. I'm not just asking for the larger questions of how will I lead my family? What relationships will I have or not have? What will I watch or not watch? How will I run my, my finances? Where will I live? How invested in the church will I be? It's all the way down to the questions of what will I think about from moment to moment? Will I hang on to my anxieties or will I entrust them to God? Will I live a life of trusting self or will I trust God by prayer? Those questions are a question of authority. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. Vertical Church exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the spirit of the Great Commandment by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus and currently do not have a church home, we would love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship services meet at our church home at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Our church family is warm, loving, and would be so happy to meet you. If you currently do not have a place to worship this weekend, would you join us? As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.